Welcome to Conference Coverage Highlights, presented by ReachMD Radio on XM160. Conference Coverage Highlights feature the latest clinical information and research findings from the Alzheimer's Association 2009 International Conference on Alzheimer's Disease. This meeting was held July 11th through the 16th in Vienna, Austria. I'm your host, Sue Berg. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Mark Kina. The International Conference brought together nearly 3,800 attendees from the academic, industry, institutional, hospital, research, governmental, and non-governmental settings around the world. It featured over 100 plenary and symposium sessions and thousands of oral and poster presentations on the latest research into the cause, diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of Alzheimer's disease and related dementia disorders. Findings were reported by researchers from the University of Connecticut on a project looking at dementia literacy. Results gathered from an anonymous online survey showed that adults have little understanding of the link between Alzheimer's disease and heart health. Nearly 700 adults between the ages of 30 and 85 took part in the study. Over half of the participants did not know there was an association between Alzheimer's disease and obesity or high blood pressure. Two-thirds did not know that high stress is a risk factor, nor did 34% know that physical exercise can protect against Alzheimer's. And almost 95% did know that Alzheimer's disease is not a part of the normal aging process and that it is not completely genetically determined. The demographic breakdown was about three-quarters female and nearly 95% from the United States. Respondents were by and large educated. 85% reported completing at least one year of college. 18% reported earning more than $200,000 a year. Colleen Jackson of the University of Connecticut, where the survey was conducted, concluded in a statement that American adults have limited knowledge and a poor understanding of the risk of Alzheimer's and what the risk factors are. She discussed a need for more education programs and opportunities across all demographic groups with a focus on modifying patients' risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. Researchers at the University of California, San Francisco, conducted a study that investigated the potential link between post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and dementia. They followed two large populations, one comprised of over 125,000 veterans over the age of 55 who did not have PTSD, and another group of 53,000 veterans over the age of 55 who did have PTSD. The veterans were followed from 2001 until 2007. 10% of the veterans with PTSD developed dementia, while the group without PTSD developed dementia in only 6.6% of cases. This ratio remained the same after adjusting for demographics, medical, and physical comorbidities in multivariate models. In a statement, the study author said that it's critical to follow patients with PTSD and evaluate them early for dementia, though further research is needed to determine the link between dementia and PTSD. Researchers in Jerusalem from the Hadassah Hebrew University Medical Center reported data at the meeting from a mouse model investigation into novel immunotherapy against tau tangles. Mice with neurofibrillary tangles were immunized with antigens comprising of a mix of three phosphorylated tau peptides. Successful immunization resulted in antiphosphorylated tau antibodies detectable in the serum of the mice and a reduction of the number of tau tangles by approximately 40%. In a statement, investigators said significant effort was devoted to assessing the safety of the phosphorylated tau vaccine, in addition to anti-tangle effect. Brain inflammation has been previously noted as a side effect with the use of a non-phosphorylated tau peptide antigen, but was not observed in this study. Investigators believe these results point to the therapeutic potential of phosphorylated tau immunotherapy for Alzheimer's patients. 
Two studies were reported at the meeting demonstrating a rising incidence of Alzheimer's disease and dementia, even in the oldest age groups. Researchers in Italy performed a prospective population-based study of over 2,000 individuals 80 years of age and older. After three years, 995 surviving participants who did not have evidence of dementia at baseline were reassessed. As participants aged, prevalence of dementia was found to increase as well. There was a 13.5% incidence rate of dementia in participants between the ages of 80 and 84, about 31% in participants between the ages of 85 and 89, and about 39% in participants aged 90 to 94. The incidence rate of dementia in the oldest group over 94 years of age was about 53%. A separate systematic review conducted in Scotland also found that the age-specific prevalence of dementia was higher in the oldest female groups than previously reported. The review found that in European women over 95 years of age, the prevalence of dementia was over 50 percent. Findings were presented from a survey of members of the American Academy of Neurology. The survey was intended to determine the clinical utility of mild cognitive impairment, or MCI, as a category of cognitive status between normal aging and Alzheimer's disease. A total of 420 physicians completed the survey. 88% of these physicians reported at least one encounter per month with patients experiencing MCI. 90% of respondents recognized MCI as a clinical diagnosis. When following patients with MCI, 88% routinely recommended monitoring and following up. 78% counseled patients on physical exercise, and 75% counseled patients on mental exercise. 63% communicated to these patients the risk of dementia. Some physicians also prescribed drugs approved for Alzheimer's disease to MCI patients. 70% of physicians said they prescribed cholinesterase inhibitors, while 39% reported prescribing memantine. The study was funded by the Alzheimer's Association. In a statement regarding these findings, Dr. Scott Roberts from the University of Michigan said that the results of this survey show that neurologists regularly see and treat patients with mild cognitive impairment, despite the fact that the medications they are prescribing are not FDA-approved for this particular diagnostic category. He also said that the variable education and support clinicians provide to MCI patients suggests that there is a need for practice guidelines in this area. Research was presented at the meeting suggesting that eating a heart-healthy diet designed to lower blood pressure may be associated with a reduction in age-related cognitive decline. The DASH diet, or Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension Diet, has been recommended by the National Institutes of Health to lower blood pressure. The diet is widely prescribed to patients with high blood pressure or prehypertension. Researchers at Utah State University used participants in the Cache County study on memory, health, and aging to look at associations between how closely people adhered to the DASH diet and their risk of cognitive decline and dementia. The diet encourages patients to eat whole grains, fish and poultry, nuts, low-fat dairy and fruits, and vegetable consumption, and limits salt, sugar, and red meat. Adherence was determined by a score based on the level of consumption of these food groups or nutrients. Researchers found that higher DASH scores were associated with higher scores for cognitive functioning. Participants with higher DASH scores at baseline scored almost one and a half points higher on cognitive tests and more than one and three quarters points higher 11 years later, compared to participants with the lower DASH scores. Researchers also looked at the effect of consuming just four of the food groups or nutrients from the DASH diet on cognitive functioning scores. Participants who consumed the highest levels of vegetables, whole grains, low-fat dairy, and nuts or legumes scored higher at baseline on cognitive functioning tests by almost one and three-quarter points. 
and they scored almost four points higher after 11 years than those who consumed the lowest amounts of those foods. The investigators say their results suggest that including whole grains, vegetables, low-fat dairy, and nuts may help protect cognition later in life. But they note that more research is necessary before it can be determined how much of these foods to include in the diet for optimum benefit. One study on the role of exercise on cognitive function suggested that moderate physical activity performed long-term may improve cognitive function late in life, while strenuous activity may increase the risk of cognitive impairment. The research was conducted by investigators in Toronto with 90 women between the ages of 50 and 63. The women reported the amount of moderate and strenuous exercise that they engaged in and took eight memory and brain function tests. The researchers adjusted for factors including age, education, smoking, alcohol consumption, and menopause. Long-term strenuous activity seemed consistently associated with poorer performance on cognitive tests, while moderate activity seemed associated with better scores, particularly in the areas of cognitive flexibility, working memory, and sustained attention. Researchers say these findings support the need for large-scale studies on physical activity and cognition that include both women and men. Surprising results were presented at the meeting showing that acute treatment with the drug demebolin increased excreted beta-amyloid protein levels. Research conducted by investigators at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York and at Washington University in St. Louis suggests that the drug demebolin may improve cognitive function in older rodents as well as in humans suffering from mild to moderate Alzheimer's diseases. The investigators conducted a series of tests in mouse models and in cells in order to determine the effects of demebolin on beta-amyloid and other brain proteins that are related to Alzheimer's disease. The investigators were surprised to find that the treatment with demebolin resulted in an increase in beta-amyloid levels in the brains of the animal models. But investigators say more research is needed to further clarify how demebolin affects beta-amyloid levels in the brain. The researchers note that only acute systems have been studied at this point, and it is possible that demebolin could be amyloid-lowering over the long term. Two double-blind multicenter clinical studies presented at the meeting looked at docosohexanoic acid, or DHA, the most abundant omega-3 fatty acid in the brain. Researchers at Martech Biosciences Corporation, maker of omega-3 products, found that patients taking algal DHA supplements perform better on memory tests than patients taking placebo. Researchers at Martech Biosciences Corporation conducted a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled, multi-center study for six months to determine the effects of algal DHA on cognitive function in 485 healthy adults at an average age of 70 with mild memory problems. Patients were given 900 milligrams of algal DHA per day. After six months, researchers found that patients made about half as many errors on memory tests compared to scores from the beginning of the study. Levels of plasma phospholipid DHA doubled over the course of the study in patients taking the DHA supplements. These levels correlated with the higher scores on memory tests. No serious adverse effects were observed in the study, and the adverse effects profile for DHA was the same as for placebo. A separate trial was conducted by the Alzheimer's Disease Cooperative Study, which is supported by the National Institute on Aging. This was a double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled clinical trial investigating DHA use in about 400 people averaging 76 years of age, all of whom had mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease at baseline. The trial lasted 18 months. Baseline DHA intake was less than 200 milligrams per day. Participants were given either 2 grams of DHA or placebo every day for 18 months. Patients already taking approved Alzheimer's drugs were allowed to continue to do so. 
Researchers found that DHA intake appeared to increase DHA levels in the brain according to measurements of patients' cerebrospinal fluid. But treatment with DHA did not slow the rate of change on cognitive functioning tests, global dementia severity status, activities of daily living, or behavioral symptoms. No difference in the effect of DHA was seen between patients with mild Alzheimer's or moderate Alzheimer's. According to Alzheimer's Disease Cooperative Study researchers, their trial results do not support the routine use of DHA for patients with Alzheimer's disease. Research on alcohol consumption suggested that moderate alcohol consumption, especially wine, is associated with reduced risk of dementia in middle-aged adults. Researchers at the Wake Forest University School of Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, looked at over 3,000 community-dwelling adults over the age of 75 without dementia. Participants were included through their enrollment in an NIH-sponsored study of ginkgo biloba for prevention of dementia called the Ginkgo Evaluation of Memory Study. Of the 3,000-plus participants, 482 had mild cognitive impairment. Participants' alcohol consumption was categorized as none, light, meaning 1 to 7 drinks per week, moderate, meaning 8 to 14 drinks per week, or heavy, taking more than 14 drinks per week. A slight majority of participants consumed no alcoholic drinks per week, followed by light alcohol users, and a combined 20% of the participants were either moderate or heavy drinkers. Researchers examined participants looking for changes in memory or cognitive abilities every six months for up to six years. They found that moderate alcohol intake, one to two drinks per day, was associated with a 37% lower risk of dementia after adjusting for demographics, smoking, comorbidities, depression, social activity, and baseline cognition. This lower risk of dementia was not found in moderate drinkers already diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment. Participants who had mild cognitive impairment at baseline declined faster during the course of the study, regardless of the amount of alcohol consumed, than participants not diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment. However, participants with mild cognitive impairment who did not drink were half as likely to develop dementia during the study as cognitively normal heavy drinkers, drinking more than 14 drinks per week. According to researchers, these findings support current recommendations for alcohol intake, that women not exceed one drink per day and men not to exceed two. The study suggests moderate alcohol intake may reduce the risk of dementia, but only if the patient does not already have mild cognitive impairment. Thank you for listening to these conference coverage highlights from the Alzheimer's Association 2009 International Conference on Alzheimer's Disease. This meeting took place July 11th through the 16th in Vienna, Austria. Conference coverage highlights is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD.com.